What's up, listeners? Back at you for another week of imposter. And this week, actually, Taylor is not with us. She is taking some PTO this week. So I am thrilled to announce that my co-host today is going to be none other but the fabulous Eleanor Demis once again, back to catch us up on her life. And let's get into it. Hi, Ellie. Hey, Monica. So last time we chatted, you were living in LA and you were working at Amazon. And now you're living in San Francisco and you're not working at Amazon. So what the heck is going on? (laughs) Correct. I am not at Amazon. Um, Yeah. Over the past couple of uh, months or so, I've had a really big set of life changes where I moved to San Francisco and I changed jobs and I'm now working as a software engineer at Chime, which is a fintech startup in the Bay Area that offers a credit card and debit card that is, um, you know, it doesn't have like low balance fees and um, gives your paycheck two days early. So it's a really great product for um, people that are underbanked, um, basically, basically the people that banks like to screw over. This is actually your second fintech job. Yeah. What's it like getting back into that? Or was that even something that you were like thinking about as you were interviewing? Did you specifically want to get back into fintech or is this just kind of the company that appealed to you most? I mean, a bit of both. Um, I think, you know, in your career, it's really nice to have a domain be your focus because that can really um, just help you be a better engineer and build better systems if you already understand the domain. And so for me, I was, you know, I've done a lot of FinTech, even, you know, at Dollar Shave Club, I did what I sort of call FinTech too. And, um, you know, I, I was looking for you know, to make that the focus of my career. And I already understand the domain. And, um, you know, I felt very comfortable with working in this, this sphere again. And I, I want to get into mostly talking about your process interviewing this time around. But I do want to shout out that today was your first day. What was it like having a first day virtually? Because you all aren't back in the office yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, definitely onboarding virtually has been, I don't know, weird. It's definitely not as good as going into the office. I mean, I think that that's kind of a given, but working remote for the past year definitely has felt, you know, it's, it's kind of business as usual a little bit. Um, people have made a, a good effort to reach out and, um, Chime had a really nice like onboarding program set up and, you know, easy to just plug into. So I think it went about as well as it could have gone, but, uh, yeah, it's a little weird. Cause it's like, I have, I've only met a handful of coworkers. Whereas if you're in an office, you kind of meet, uh, you just meet whoever and that sort of, um, organic interaction isn't there, but, um, yeah, I think it's been good. They sent me the computer, like like a week 
or so before. And then they were like, don't, don't turn it on until, you know, your first day and all this stuff. And um, honestly, I think, um, I think companies are really, you know, by this point, they've figured out <laughs> how to uh, uh, onboard people and they've streamlined that process. For sure. All right. So let's get into it. You went through another round of several interviews. You prepared for them and you landed a job, which is obviously the goal of everyone in that situation. So, and this is obviously not your first rodeo. We talked last time with you about negotiating um, and touched a little bit on the interview process, but not so much about how you prepare for it. Uh, So what did this time around look like for you sort of uh, from start to finish? Yeah. So I was thinking about it. This is actually my fourth time going through this process of interviewing and all of that as a software engineer. Um, so I think I've still got a lot to learn, but I've definitely, you know, every time it gets a little bit easier. Um, and I think, you know, after, hopefully after this time, you know, <laughs> I'll have it down, but it remains to be seen. Um, so this time I, um, specifically wanted to target, um, mid-sized fintech, like more established companies, companies with a strong um, female engineering presence, companies with, you know, hopefully female leadership and things like that. And um, so that was kind of like step one was like figuring out where do I want to go and what do I want to do? And by this point, I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, in terms of a job, I wasn't just like, I'll take anything, which was <laughs> round one was not that I was like, I don't care. Just give me a job. Um, and again, having now senior title, five years experience, the application process was very different. Uh, for me, applying has basically become my friend, one of the recruiters on LinkedIn. And then they are like, Oh my God, do you want to come work for us? Please, please. Like, so, you know, it's a little bit different this time around. That's, that's applying for me. Um, uh, not to say that I didn't also just like go to a website and apply, but, um, the, that part of the funnel is way easier now. So it's like the top of the funnel, no problem. Um, I'd say if you're listening and you are, you haven't, you know, interviewed or applied as much, or you don't have as as much experience, you probably would do actually the exact same thing that I did. I don't think that the tactic would change. I still think that um, friending people on LinkedIn and reaching out directly is really going to be your best bet, but you might not have the same results. So kind of um, your mileage may, may vary on that. So did you apply, did you first go on say like a company's job board or their website and even see if they had an open backend or API role or did you, did you not even bother with that and just reach out directly to recruiters at companies that you were interested in? Um. Yeah, I... I usually like look and see like, is there a specific role that I am looking for? It looks interesting. 
And even if it's like maybe sort of more tangentially interesting, you can still, I would still say apply because um, you never know. You really never know. And on the flip side, I think even if there isn't a role that's interesting and you're super into the company and you're super like gung-ho on the mission and da, 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 and all of that, that can still work too. Especially if it's a company that's going to be able to like create a position for you or have more flexibility on hiring. Um, with smaller companies, there's less likely that there's going to be that flexibility. They probably like, okay, we need to hire this specific person right now. This is all, you know, <laughs> we, we only have six more months of funding, so we can't, you know, uh, take on other people. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Again, I think really either approach, um, is totally valid here, but it's, you know, again, it comes down to like how you sell yourself. If you're just like, send the recruiter for a company that maybe doesn't have the exact role in email, it's like, Hey, I want to work there. Um, and doesn't say anything else that might not work that well. But if you come in and you say, Oh, I'm really excited about this, or I saw this person speak at some conference and you da, da, da. so, um, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of have to tweak it. I know you mentioned that you were targeting companies with strong uh, presence of women in engineering and specifically in leadership roles, but what about just general size? Cause you had been at Dave, which was pretty small and Amazon, which was pretty ginormous. So what were you looking for? like a happy medium specifically, or did you care less about, I think you didn't want to go to like a really small startup. Yeah. Again. Um, um, yeah. At this point I I'd seen it all size wise. And I realized that medium to small is, is where I'm, I'm happiest. Um, yeah. At Dave, I was like the 18th person, which is cool, but also it's like, a weird dynamic, like clicky family drama, a lot of, you know, people dipping the pen in the company ink sort of stuff that you're really like, you're way too involved in. And you're like, I don't want, why do I know this about you? Like this, this is gross. Whereas, you know, at Amazon, like it was weird because there was a team that like you're just in a pit, you know, like any other, you know, sort of engineering setup and like you talk to your team, but there'd be people sitting right next to you and you would never speak to them because they were never, because they weren't part of your team. And it was really weird. So that's why I was like, okay, maybe more medium. That's not to dissuade people from either size of company, but that's just, for me, those were two cons that I was like, I'd rather not have that like they're too extreme in terms of the like interpersonal um stuff for sure i imagine also at a smaller company it's one thing if you're more of a senior in your career like you had already been at dollar shave club for several years before that um but i would find it hard to go into such a small company super junior. And I feel like we did graduate maker square with a few people who did that went into really small startups where they're like the first or second and higher. And I just, 
especially now when I'm more senior in my career, that just sounds so scary <laughs> to me. Like, I don't even want to do that now. Cause I, I do not want to be the most senior person or the only person there with any like technical chops. I always want to have someone that I can sort of like learn from at least right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, I think something to consider with startups is that, I mean, they hire really junior um, and the bar is lower, I'd say um, just because of startups are more desperate and they need people and they're not going to have the time to like really wait and really suss out the exact right person. So they're like, yeah, I know. I don't, I wonder how those people are doing. <laughs> that were like, I'm the first engineer and I, I did a boot camp for three months. Like <laughs> I've never set up Docker. I've never logged into AWS. I've, I've only used my SQL once for one project I spent four weeks on. Sure. I, you know, <laughs> or that, like that, like free version of MongoDB. <laughs> that we used. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even MongoDB. It was, it was like, um, I feel like it was like MongoDB junior. It was like <laughs> MongoDB for babies. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Mongo baby. I know. I know. I, uh, yeah. But I mean, a lot of people run on the mean stack. Yeah. Know. Oh I my God. I seeing... haven't heard that in so long. I know. Right. The stacks. Do you remember that? Like exclusionary sort of like. What's your hol- stack? Holier like than now. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's an obnoxious question. I put that on par now with someone asking me like, what sort of music do you listen to? Like. <laughs> I have one more anecdote that also applies that I just want to get it out there is another like question that like, is just so like, why are you asking this? So one time I was out at a club with my friend, Diane, and we were in college and like, you know how it is in the club. It's like, do, do, do. Like, if you want to talk to someone, you have to like yell directly into their ear. And like, it's, it's gross, especially when dudes come up and try to hit on you. Cause they're like all in your space. And like, you can smell their breath and ugh. but anyways, she was I mean, saying, even if they're not hitting on you, they yeah. are just because of how close they need yeah. to be to you to communicate anything. Yeah. So anyways, Diane had this guy come over and she said <laughs> at the club, like in this situation, he was like in her ear, like, Hey, what's your major? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's like I'm sure you've seen the um the the memes from the past couple of months that are of basically people yelling at each other in a bar and they're like, did you get Pfizer or Moderna? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's totally gonna be the new pickup line. Like yeah. or like icebreaker that like dudes try to use. Yeah, not here for it. Yeah. Um So yeah. Okay. Company selection. Um, I think, uh, and these aren't like you do them one, two, three, four, like they happen kind of in parallel, but then the next sort of phase is the studying and the preparation for the interview, which I think is where a lot of people just crash and burn. 
you know? Well, um, if they even prepare. Yeah. Because I think some people just walk in yeah. blind and you just mm-hmm. like see what happens. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's a valid strategy. Also a strategy. Honestly, it's it's such a crapshoot. It really is that, you know, there's no, there shouldn't be any need to like prepare for months and take courses and, you know, burn yourself out. Like there shouldn't be a need for that, but, but there is. Um, So yeah. So I think, um, so this time around, um, it wasn't going to a fang company. So that definitely changed the way and amount that I prepared. Um, before this, I, you know, going, I was target specifically targeting a fang. Um, and, uh, what those companies ask is very different than what a small startup asks or even a medium sized startup. Um, So the Fang interviews, I mean, I'm not going to go into that too much. It's pretty much online, but that is the super hardcore, super theoretical data structures and algorithms, binary search trees, all the different traversal methods, all the like random data structures, all the weird algorithms and stuff like For that, I really went super deep and super theoretical. And um, I think I spent like a couple hours every night for like a couple months just doing that. Um, When you say just doing that, were you doing like leak code problems or were you going through cracking the coding interview or what um, what tools were you using? Cracking the coding interview, I think is good, but like... I don't really want to work from a book. If that makes sense. Like you're already online. You're already totally makes computer, sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically just found, um, I just focused on like the classic type of problems, which are like, you know, the different tree traversal methods and, and things like that. And worked through problems specifically for that. And, by doing that, you know, just like on like, I don't, I mostly just use like the Chrome debugger because it's nice to like step through and really understand. And um, yeah, so I would do problems from LeetCode-esque websites and other websites where it just like, you know, it's not like an interactive debugger thing like LeetCode. Um, so yeah, I think that was really, I more just sort of, was like, oh, okay, that seems cool. Oh, and and doing that problem, I learned about something else. And doing that, I learned about something else. And all these companies give you lists of things to interview as well. Like Google gives you like like a twenty page PDF. So you I, you mostly just kind of go from that. That's like studying for their entrance exam. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with those is that. Um, you have to understand that it's not, it's not actually a problem solving test. It's a memorization test because there's really only like, I don't know, maybe 10 different ways to solve those problems. And it's a matter of recognizing, oh, okay, I'm going to use this traversal method or, oh, okay, I'm going to use this like whatever, like random way of 
going through an array, like, um, and then you regurgitate it on the board and then you're done. Like you don't have time to, to think about it. You just have to do it. It honestly, like, or to like make a mistake really. Yeah. You don't have, you don't be like, Oh, well, it's, you know, like to recognize it's like an off by one error or something. Yeah. And then take the time to go back and like step through it. Cause you're expected to solve it. You're expected to solve like multiple problems in one of their rounds of interviews. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the Google like phone screen, which is as far as I've ever gotten. Um, they ask you like one, I don't know, really easy one. And then one that's like, you have to have already done that problem the night before <laughs> to be able to solve it. Cause you have, I mean, you have probably like like ha- literally has to be fresh. Yeah. It has mind. to be fresh and you have to just like write it out perfectly the first time. And I'd say that's kind of the level you have to be at for the FANG companies is you have to be able to solve it perfectly the first time because there's not any time. There's not any other time. And it, it's, it sounds impossible, but again, it's really just like you're memorizing an algorithm, which is a set of moves. So it's kind of, you know, it's similar to any other sort of like, you know, um, doing a dance. That's really it. You're like <laughs> performing the dance that you spent forever memorizing. You're just regurgitating the moves. So, um, I think about it a lot in terms of like cooking or specifically baking. Yeah. It's like there's only, there's really only so many ingredients that you use when you bake something like usually flour or some kind of flour substitute and you know an assortment of liquids and your leavening agent yeah but based on the recipe that you're given you need to know like which of those to choose from and in what ratios Mm. yeah 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 I think that's that's a perfect analogy and um definitely applies to to how it is for fang type of interviews um at least for the coding part i mean i don't want to over index on the coding um that's a a part of it and that is the go no go like even Mm -hmm. if you blow them out of the water on the behavioral interviews like doesn't that's the go no go Um, yeah unfortunately well i mean if you don't get past like the initial text screen with the coding you probably don't even make it to the behavioral yeah yeah right but the final interviews encompass both yeah. They encompass coding and behavioral. Yeah. Um, for many companies. Some companies don't. Some companies like GitHub, you only do one um take-home thing, and mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. Uh <laughs> and then the rest of it is uh just a normal, like normal quote, uh yeah. <laughs> whatever that means, uh interview. Um like a non-technical yeah. sort of interview. But I, I, I can't speak from experience on that. I've only done the take home and then um, I dropped out because I had another offer with GitHub, but um, that is another, you know, potentially um, good option. If you're like, I don't want to go to Google and I don't want to like learn binary search trees. Um, so, yeah. So um, coming back to, this time around targeting more mid-sized companies. So 
the companies that I applied to were Stripe, Stitch Fix, Square. What other S fintech companies? I feel like there's another, I don't know. That that class, GitHub, that class of company that's like, you know, it's decent. It's a good size. They it's established. It's established. like still well recognized mm-hmm. name. Yeah. And so from there, um, I went to find out what do they ask? And um that's very easy to find out. There's a website called blind teamblind.com uh, that people just, you know, you can say like GitHub interview and it, people talk about what they were asked, not like the specific problems. It doesn't, that's, I think that would be a little gauche to do something like that. Um, but it'll say like, Oh, they ask graph traversal or you only have a take home or they ask you some kind of like, REST API thing. And then you can very much tailor what you study to that as opposed to like trying to learn everything on the planet under the sun. Um, so that's kind of how I worked. Um, yeah, but for the most part, I mean, these types of companies, the questions that they are asking are pretty logical. Like I actually really liked a couple of like stripes questions because they were like rooted in reality, if that makes sense. Like I was doing something with like filtering, um, you know, language tags from a list and there was multiple steps and, um, you know, that one was really nice. Cause it was like, I didn't feel like I needed to study. Like it was just like, it made sense. Like it was just like, okay, this is like actually, testing my programming skills and not my random, you know, what I randomly studied the night before. Um, so yeah. And, and that was, um, that sort of stuff is evident on blind. Like I remember someone saying like, you don't really need to study for this if you're coding every day, like, because the questions are very geared towards, um, a more realistic type of, interview question that's like actually more representative of the work um it also probably gives you a taste of like what you'd be doing there day to day yeah 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 I think um they they make an effort it's never it's always like stuff that like I mean if you changed it from you know dollars and cents for a fintech app to Mm -hmm. you know in your case like you know, video files probably mm-hmm. wouldn't change the implementation that much, but yeah, I appreciate like content tags. Like, yeah. yeah, I still appreciate that, that they're at least trying to make it like somewhat mm-hmm. relevant. Um, so yeah, blind, definitely a good resource. Um, Glassdoor to some extent, I just, I've never found that good of information on Glassdoor before. Um, but it is an option. Um, caveat about blind though, it's incredibly toxic. (laughs) Yes, it is extremely toxic. Um, so, you know, just fair warning on that. I feel like Glassdoor is good if you want to first like get a beat on the company. 
Blind yeah. probably is too, but people will definitely give their, you know, honest feedback on Glassdoor about, I'm talking about like current employees usually. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to discount it. Um, it's definitely different definitely, tool though. Yeah. It's different though. Um, blinds a lot more casual. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, anyways, now, uh, you know, once I figured out what to study, then, um, you know, I just got in a rhythm of doing leak code problems. Um, you know, not every day. I didn't feel like I needed to do it every day, but enough so that I was comfortable with coding in that format and that style. Um, and then I made not heavy, but decent use of, um, the website Pramp, P-R-A-M-P. It's a, that is probably the best thing that you can do to prepare for these interviews, especially now that they're all on Zoom, is go on Pramp because it is a mock interview tool where you sign up with someone else and they're also just someone interviewing and you interview each other. So you get to see both sides. And if you haven't interviewed before, it's super valuable because you get to see the other side and you get to see how deathly boring it is. And like, it kind of helps because you realize like as the interviewer, you're not like, you know, analyzing everything that they do and you don't care when they make a typo and you don't care when like, you know, whatever random thing happens that you might be in your head about. It's actually kind of nice to see that it's like, oh, this is like really boring and like kind of a chore and like, you know, I'm just here to do it. And it's like, so, um, yeah, highly, highly recommend that they have, um, coding interviews and, um, system design. And I think they have like behavioral too as well, but I haven't done those. Are they separate or would you do like in your single pramp interview, would you do like a like a data structure algorithm question and a system design question or do you okay. without you have to sign up for two different ones yeah you have to sign up for two but that could be good practice just to get you know because some some of these interviews can be like five six hours straight <laughs> if you're not if you're not careful uh so yeah that's all it's kind of an endurance game as well But that's also another kind of benefit to every or most people at least being remote right now. Because I think you mentioned before, most companies will let you break those out onto two different days or at least give you the option. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is definitely a thing that you can ask for. Um, I mean, I would even go as far to say you could ask to have only one a day which I think would be great just to break up the stress, be a nightmare to schedule. Um, yeah. You know, especially, if especially if working. you're doing multiple companies at once, which yeah. I think a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, but you know, it could be nice as well. Um, I think on that note, um, just to talk a little bit about the juggling aspect of this, mm-hmm. um, that was something this time around, I mean, was pretty difficult. 
Um, Cause at one point I had like four companies that I was like actively in the process with and like doing that while working feels so sketchy. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm just going to like have this like three hour block where I guess I'm just not going to respond to anyone, which isn't that crazy for software engineers, but I felt a lot of, uh, you know, guilt, like I'm sneaking around a little bit. I mean, it really doesn't matter, but uh, that's definitely something to keep in mind is like, you know, do you want to just take time off or quit? Or do you want to deal with juggling? But uh, yeah, it can be, it can definitely be difficult. Um, I didn't have any problems with it other than just, you know, feeling guilty. But um, like, I've never had a manager be like, where were you? (laughs) Which would be funny, but uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely like lied a lot of having dentist appointments. A lot of, a lot of doctor's appointments. Doctor's appointments. Happening during those, that time. And then it's funny when you do legitimately have a doctor's appointment. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, Oh God, they probably think I have so many doctor's appointments. (laughs) Like, So, but I mean, that's really not something like it would, it would have to be so many doctor's appointments or anything like medical for someone to actually like call you out on it. Like that just seems, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go there. No. And I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I like was like, Oh, my coworker has been gone a lot for the doctor. Like I've never said that about anyone. So um yeah well that's something like at the end of at the end of the day I feel like people are more just you know concerned and consumed like with their own work and their own stuff that's going on so as much as like you felt guilty it like very few, few people probably even like registered that you or unavailable or just assumed that you were like yeah heads down working and also it's like this is just that's it's just the reality that that we live in like if you're at a job at some point you're probably going to interview for another job and you're not going to quit that job first because most people just don't have the resources to do that so you know, they're going to, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to make that interview work. And it's weird that it's weird that we live kind of in, especially tech culture, I feel like is a very ambitious one and people are always wanting to move up and, and to level up and all of that. But at the same time, everyone like you said there's like a feeling of guilt when you're actually going after that yeah exactly so just just a weird thought yeah i know my therapist this week yeah (laughs) i mean it's totally like i mean that's that's how they want you to be your boss Mm -hmm. the, the the man wants you to like, uh, feel guilty about it and not talk about your mm-hmm. salary and not, you know, take this time to look at other jobs. I mean, that's one thing that I feel like 
it kind of helps me to look at other jobs because yeah. one, especially if I'm doing it on my work computer, on the work VPN, and I'm pissed out, pissed off about my job. I just like, ah, okay, I'm gonna go look at like linked LinkedIn careers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I hope they're watching. Like, <laughs> light a fire under them. Uh, yeah, come but, at me. What do you yeah, say? Yeah, what are they gonna say? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, a part, a part of me, kind of, you know, the rebel. I think that can be a little bit fun, but um, yeah, yeah, the juggling, juggling can be difficult, but. Um, one thing on that is that, um, you know, with these tech interviews, especially at mid to large companies, you can take as much time as you need. You can spread it out mm-hmm. as far as you want. Um, if you want to first get contact with the recruiter and then spend two weeks doing leak code and then spend four weeks prepping for the onsite, like you can, um, most places will be pretty flexible. Um, it's kind of funny with Chime. That was the first job I like applied to when I was applying. And then that was the one I ended up taking, but I was like kind of on the fence about it for a while. And then, so I was like, I kept just like kicking the can and like picking like the la- the latest, latest, latest possible date mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. everything. And it's kind of funny that I had all these other companies in between yet Chime is still the one that like ended up being the right fit. So, yeah. Let me look up. Actually, let me look up really quick. The timeline pause. The timeline. In the meantime, I mean, I, I do feel like that is a common misconception. People, I think a lot of times think that, you know, once you get the ball rolling, you have to stick with it and keep up with it. And, and, you know, sometimes like you said, if they, if they do have a serious need and only one role available and they need to fill it, then, you know, maybe it's not uh, the right time for you to be there anyway, but it is nice to know that it's not as tight of a timeline um, as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And for reference, I connected with the Chime recruiter January 14th of this year, and I started June 8th. So, I mean, that's obviously an extended amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't like actively interviewing for six months. I took a month off and, you know, all that. Yeah. uh, So you took the offer, you accepted the offer like a month. Yeah. Like six months. Like early May, right? Yeah. 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 So six months in between initial contact to start mm-hmm. date. Um, it, it, it did kind of suck because the role I initially applied to got filled and they were like, well, maybe in a couple months. And I was like, eh, mm-hmm. I'll just see what else you have. Um, the universe was saying that wasn't the right mm-hmm. fit. So I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to force yeah. it. We always have to listen to the universe. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, and most, um, um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's fine. Should um, we talk more about the onsite? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm doing okay. air, ver, the yeah. quote unquote onsite. Yeah. Um, so 
most of the leak code stuff, you want to be doing that before the initial text screen. Um, Cause that's what the text screen usually is, right? That's what like, the te- it's, it's usually a coder pad session mm-hmm. where someone is just like awkwardly watching you code. And if you're lucky, you get someone that actually pairs with you and like helps you. But most of the time it's just someone that's like, got slack open on the other side and it's like yeah. thinking about their project. Maybe like on LinkedIn themselves yeah. looking at the careers page. Yeah. yeah. So that again, you know, not to be disheartening, but that's another situation where you kind of just have to get it right the first time. Yeah. And struggling under that circumstance is, it's just, it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't work yeah. to have some stranger watching you over your shoulder, do some yeah. stupid problem that has no real meaning. Like it just, you know, you just have to get super, super good at them. And mm-hmm. if you do leak code and if you do pramp, it will happen. Yeah. Um, and it's just because it's literally just practice. You're yeah. practicing the patterns and it's like, like anything yeah. else, literally any other skill, that's the secret sauce. It's yeah. just you know, X number of hours to start seeing improvement. And also I just want to call out that like everyone is different and no one has the same learning path. And, you know, for some people it might take a while to kind of like get over that initial hump where you just feel like you're never going to understand any of this recursion gibberish. And eventually though, like you will start to see those patterns. For some people, maybe it'll be like after practicing for a week. For some people, maybe it'll be after practicing five weeks. Like, but eventually it's something's yeah. gonna click. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not by any means an intelligence test. And unfortunately, there are other industries that do stuff like this. Like mm-hmm. randomly, I was reading Jenna Fisher's book. Actors Life, mm-hmm. a survival guide. Because, like, I don't, it, you know, it's like, well, you know, I love The Office. Like, I'll read her book, sure. And, and when she, she auditioned, they had her invert a binary tree. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But and no. thank God she had taken computer science in yeah. college, or else she never would have landed that role. Yeah, yeah. But she was saying that similar, similar to software engineering, you're asked to do something that is not at all relevant Mm -hmm. to the actual work and she was saying that for actors you get these like scripts like two minutes before and you have to Mm -hmm. like you know do it like really good in a certain way and like kind of just like perform on the spot when in reality actors like spend a lot of time with the scripts and developing the character and like blah 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 and I think there's a lot of parallels there and one thing that you know, really was a struggle for me is I had to like really let go of that mentality that this is bullshit. I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. And it's, you know, this isn't how it is. And blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I still, I still believe that, but mm-hmm. you just, you're not going to be able to succeed or make yourself study if you're like really identified with that. And yeah. That's going to, it's just going to hold you back. Yeah. Cause it's just like, I mean, speaking of the universe, it's just a negative energy. Yeah. And it's just going to interfere with your ability to make any progress if 
in the back of your mind, you just kind of believe that everything you're doing is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, another thought I'll offer there or another viewpoint is that it's a game and you're playing the game. It's a numbers game. Yeah. You just, you have to play the game. You don't have to like the game, but you know, it's Mm -hmm. a game and like, you just have to play it. Yeah. Um, So when you do finally get to the onsite stage, um, this interview is usually a lot different. It's not as coding focused, although some companies do still do kind of a lot of coding like Square. I think I had to do in total throughout that interview process, four hours of coder pad, which is like four hours too many, (laughs) like one. Okay. Maybe, but four hours. Oh my God. It was crazy. Um, didn't get that offer because it's like, well, that's my least favorite thing to do. But uh, usually there'll be like one more coding session. Um, and this is all going to be virtual. So that's usually another coder pad problem. Um, but the other uh, two types of interviews that you get asked are um, the system design interview, which I think those are fun. Those are actually creative and Obviously, they're way more relevant to the work. Um, Pramp does system design interviews, recommend that. Um, There's a GitHub repo called System Design Primer. Um, You know, if you know that, you're good. I think Cracking the Coding interview also has good ones too. Um, Companies don't tend to get super creative when they ask these. It's usually like, build me a URL shortener or literally that's the one that I was going to throw out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like always like, is it read heavy or is it write heavy? You know? And, and um, uh, as long as you know the basics there, I think it's, it's, those are fun. Those are fun. You can be creative. The interviewers are usually a lot more engaged and they're a lot more willing to kind of like talk you through it. Um, So again, system design, I I tend to not spend as much time preparing for that because at this point as a senior engineer, like I understand these concepts. If you're junior or interviewing for the first time, um, you might want to spend a little bit more effort on that than, than I probably did. Um, You know, maybe do a couple of those a week, whereas I did it like maybe once or twice throughout my whole process. Um, so yeah, I'd say system design again, pretty straightforward. Um, that one's fun. And then the next one is like usually behavioral type of interviews. So for this, you'll want to, um, basically write up a couple of your projects that you've worked on. And even if you're in bootcamp, you know, your bootcamp projects, um, that's kind of what you have to work with. Um, And for that, I usually prepare a couple questions in the STAR format. So situation, task, action, response, just to create some little anecdotes where you can talk about, you know, the questions you get asked are like, oh, how did you scale this project? Or how did you deal with the interpersonal conflict? Or what was your approach when designing it? And um Again, this is very like you can just go online and Google like software engineer behavioral interview questions. It'll come up. Um, It's the standard there as well. Um, uh, And then, yeah, I've gotten asked 
Um, you know, uh, different questions at different companies. So at the bigger companies, you're going to see it be very prescriptive. There's not going to be a lot of banter. There's not going to be a lot of back and forth. Uh, whereas at a small startup, it's like, oh, so like, what do you like hey, to do? Do on- you know how to code? Yeah. Great. For what's your favorite color? Yeah. What do you do on the weekend? Um, <laughs> Uh, one, another style of interview that I, that I like is, um, when you have a take-home project and sometimes you'll get asked to talk through the take-home project and explain your decisions and, and things like that. And that again is, is a lot more fun and a lot more interactive. Um, so that's another style of interview you might see, um, uh, beyond that, I'd say, Um, It really is uh, a marathon and some of these interviews, I mean, again, it can be like six plus hours of, of interviewing and um, do try to break it up if you can, especially if it's virtual, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, And, you know, I found that, um, you know, you can listen to your gut afterwards, but don't go too deep into it. I've always felt like I've kind of known, you know, if I was going to get it or not. And, and it's usually mutual, like usually the feelings mutual, um, with time, like I was like, eh, yep, I think I'm going to get it. Like, cause I just felt like I hit, I nailed all my interviews. People liked me. There was good rapport. Um, whereas some of the other companies like, like square, I mean, I just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't vibing and, uh, you know, at that point I had another offer. So I was like, kind of just, you know, doing it and I didn't even put on makeup for it. Like, so, <laughs> um, which is totally why you didn't get the offer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but, uh, oh yeah. Another, another thing, uh, another tip, um, for our female engineers out there is make sure that you specifically request that you have female interviewers. I cannot stress enough. Ooh, that is such a good tip. I didn't even yeah. know that that was a thing. Yeah. And, you and don't. what if the response is like, I'm sorry, we don't have any. Female well, then you say, I'm sorry, I'm not working there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah. And you don't have to be like weird about it. I, I just say like, oh, um, you know, I want to make sure I get their perspective on the culture. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be weird. And most, I mean, every place should be accommodating of that. So, um, I mean, I think it would be weird for them to not put women engineers yeah. on the but, panel in the first place. I mean, place, like a startup, a startup is for sure about that. Big companies, sure. maybe. Um, but yeah, what was I? Oh, crap, I had a good anecdote. Um, okay. I forgot. But anyways, when you're interviewing with these other engineers, ask them about the culture, be very upfront about, is it sexist? How do you felt dismissed by your male colleagues? Like, how do you feel about leadership? Like, cause that is going to be way more your experience, um, than, than the male experience. So do you um, find that people give like straight answers? Um, that though, or would they, or do you kind of try to like read between the lines a little bit? A bit of both, a bit of both. Um, yeah, I, during an interview, I said, oh, you know, 
what's the culture like for women there? And the girl was like, oh, um, yeah, it's, it's good. You know? I was like, Question mark. I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I understand. You know, the answer I was hoping for was, yeah. oh yeah, we have this like women's group and, mm-hmm. you know, we're planning this event. So supportive. And, yeah. Like, so, you know, that was kind of it's like, eh. okay. And maybe that girl just like, didn't care about that stuff, but also that that's a data point as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't, I mean, I care about it. So I ask about it yeah. a lot, but, um, Maybe you don't. I think, yeah. I, yeah. Moral of the story is be sure to ask the questions that are, you know, make or breaks for you too. Because at the end of the day, this interview is should be a two-way street. You know, you yeah. should also be judging the company by the experience that you're having interviewing and the answers that you're getting to your questions. So, and and me specifically as an interviewer, it's kind of a red flag if I'm doing an interview and the person who's interviewing doesn't have any questions. Agreed. It just makes me feel like, okay, like they're not really engaged or maybe they didn't really prepare. Like, I mean, I don't expect someone to be you know, preparing X amount of weeks and know the the app like the back of their hand. But I feel like, you know, they should know a little bit about who we are and what we do and kind of have questions about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There, um, you need to have questions. Um, and if you can't think of any, just Google some, even if they're dumb, mm-hmm. even- Or if you can't think of anything, ask about the business, ask about the business model. How do you make money? You know, like there's a lot that you can get out of that, but you do need to have questions. And also it's like, if you don't, if you genuinely like don't have any questions, why are you interviewing at this company? Yeah. It's like, if you want to work there, I guess that brings me one more question that I want to um, get your take on. Cause I, cause this is a thing. And I think it was actually, encouraged when we were at Hack Reactor. And honestly, I've given it as advice to some people that I'm mentoring. What is your opinion on interviewing at places where you really don't want to work just to get the interview practice? Um, I would say I am for it. It's interviewing is a skill. You do get better at it with practice. And this time around, Chime was one of my last on-sites. I had one more after that and two, one or two before. And it really helped having those on-sites before just to get comfortable with it. Um, that being said, it is a lot of time. And if you're more junior, if you have more time on your hands, I would recommend it. If you're more senior, um, if you're still working, I probably wouldn't because it's so much, it's so much effort. And um you know, it's, it's not fun to interview somewhere if you don't want the job. Uh, so it's, it's also kind of like just a bummer way to spend maybe up to like seven hours of your time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd say do it. I mean, like take every advantage you can get, like, believe me, the company doesn't care about you. You gotta just go out there and take what you can get. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'd say do it if, if you're, if you have the desire. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is great. I've been wanting to do an episode with you about the interview process ever since we had you on the first time. So I'm glad that you have recently gone through the interview process so that you had all of these new nuggets of wisdom to share with us. And from now on, if anybody just asks me about that, I'm literally just going to regurgitate everything. Or actually, I'll just have them listen to this episode of the podcast so we can get those those downloads. Um, But anyway... (laughs) Thank you as always, Ellie, for, for joining us today. And um, again, congrats on the new job. And it is Friday at 7 p.m. So enjoy your freaking weekend. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to share this knowledge and um, uh, always happy to meet with you and chat anything software engineering so um you know if anyone listening has any questions feel free to find me online or on linkedin and um happy to help out all right cool well talk to you later bye bye